Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode one of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast about Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. My name is Matt J, and joining me on this adventure is my brother Dave. Hey. Hello, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? I am well. Excited? I am very excited. I okay. think this is going to be a long, strange trip. I look forward to that. Yeah, uh, The too. longness and the strangeness. Maybe not the longness so much. Definitely the strangeness. Okay. Okay, so here is what we're going to be doing. There is a television show, which is we have already mentioned, Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. It is the 17th production of the Super Sentai series. Now, if you somehow found this and are not familiar with the Super Sentai series, here it is. It is the show that was created in Japan and then translated into America as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series. Well... It started as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It eventually became other things, didn't it? Oh, sure. In the United States, it was originally Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and then it was Power Rangers Turbo, I was gonna say there was like and a... then there was Wild Force, and then it got... I Honestly, I don't watch the American show much, Okay, and I've sort of lost track of it, but the original show is the Super Sentai series from Japan. It was created in 1975 by uh, Shotaro Ishinomori, I'm sorry that if I probably mispronounced his name, I'm going to be mispronouncing a lot of names. I am not an expert on Super Sentai. I've watched a couple of the series. I have spent a lot of time on the Wikipedia page and the various sort of like other fan sites. And Dave has not watched it at all. Yeah, I have never seen a single episode of the show. I watched the first, I don't know, maybe two seasons of Power Rangers that was on mm-hmm. when we were a kid. I think that's about as far as we watched. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember I was in the I was in the fifth grade, and I woke up early to tape it, mm-hmm. and then we would watch it when we got home. Okay, and that's and we did that for I think two years thereabouts. Yeah, and that was pretty much it. And then I stopped paying attention to Power Rangers because I was doing other things. Sure. Not cool things. Oh, no, but you had moved on to other superhero TV shows. Right, exactly. There were other nerdy things that I was into. Like, I don't want to make it sound as though, like, I was suddenly... Listen, the Earthworm Jim was on. You didn't have time for Power Rangers. Yeah, that's a a very fair way to say that. And besides, Jason got replaced by Rocky, and Rocky sucked. So... I don't even remember. He was the guy who replaced Jason, who also sucked. Okay. (laughs) Um, What we're going to be doing is we're watching every episode. Oh, you say... I'm sorry. You say also sucked, and... And the way that you said that made it sound as though Jason sucks, is what you were saying, which I'm sure is not the case. No, no, no. Jason's the best. Yeah, Jason is the absolute best. Oh, so you were saying he replaced Jason, and also, in he addition sucked. to replacing Jason, he those sucked. are the two. Those are the two relevant facts about Rocky. One, he replaced Jason. Two, he sucked a lot. Okay. I'm sure the actor was a very nice person. Oh, I'm sure he's a great guy. I have no idea who he was. I have no idea. But he replaced Jason and therefore was awful. Right. Okay. He he sucked so bad that he is the only Red Ranger, I think in the history of Power Rangers or Super Sentai, who was not the leader of the team. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a big deal. Okay. So, as we said, that I have not watched any episodes of this show... And so we are going to be sitting down and watching every episode of, what is it, Gosei? Gosei Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Matt is the Virgil to my Dante in this show. He is guiding me through this. So he's already watched the whole thing. I've watched none of it. And so what you're going to be getting from me is pure reaction. So the format is I think we're going to watch the show... Right? Mm-hmm. We're going to come in, we're going to do a little opening conversation, probably talk about where we are, how things are going. We're going to take a break, and then after the break, we're going to come back and talk about the episode that we watched and that Dave has just experienced for the very first time. Okay. Now, before we get into it, let me give you a little explanation as why I chose Die Ranger specifically. Die Ranger is the series that ran in 1993. Okay. Right after Zoo Ranger, which was the show that became Mighty okay. Morphin Power Rangers. So it was, I'm sorry, it ran in 93 in Japan. Yes. Okay. 
So it was running in 93, but this show never got a direct translation into The American Show. Okay. Because the first season of The American Show was so popular that what they did is they just made a second season with those same characters and superhero suits, right? Okay. But in Japan, it doesn't work that way. Every year is a new series that totally just throws everything else out. The There's that, no connection. The things that happened in 90, 1992 are never referenced in the 1993 series. Okay. It is... There's, it's still Super Sentai. There's still yes. five people in costumes. Exactly. But that's it. So every year there is a new world that is built along the same structure. Okay. There are five people, or, you know, eventually a few more as the seasons go on, and they have to fight some sort of evil group, and it follows the same sort of structure every year, but it's not a direct sequel. Whereas the American show did make it a direct sequel, and so it made the translation a complete nightmare. Got it. Which we can discuss a little later on as the episodes progress. But right now, we're going to stop, we're going to watch the first episode of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, and then we're going to come back, and you get to hear what we thought about it. Okay, we will see you on the other side. Okay, so, welcome back. We have just watched episode one of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, and boy, howdy, was boy, that howdy. fun. Okay, Dave, why don't you tell me, very briefly, what we just experienced, and then we'll sort of go back through and talk about the finer points. Great. So, episode one, Gose Sentai Die Ranger. As you can expect, this is the episode where we are introduced to the main characters, we are introduced to the enemies of this series, which are called the Goma. We are introduced to their, I'm just going to call him their Zordon figure, their mentor character, and they fight their first monster. The episode does end on a cliffhanger. The last thing we see... Well, I guess we'll get to that. Okay. But the episode ends on a cliffhanger. Them, the, the five rangers versus their first monster. What will happen? What will happen? Uh, I, I predict they win. That's well, my prediction. You'll just have to come back next episode I guess to find I, out. I will. I'll have to come back next episode to find out if they possibly managed to come up victorious. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the first of 50 episodes, so one would assume... I'm going to guess... How great would it be if there was a series of this show where they introduce one and then they just lose in they the first episode? They lose in the very first episode. Like, okay, well, now it's time for the first episode of the B Team. Right, and then they just come back and it's an entirely different <laughs> group of people. And nobody saw it coming. So, Act 1, Scene 1, Episode 1. We open with a shot of... This kid. He's a little kid. He's got glasses on. Coke bottle lenses. Yeah. Coke bottle lenses. And he is playing with a yo-yo. Yep. Completely by himself. In the middle of a parking lot, it seems? It's in a, it's a parking or lot a, or... Whatever lot it is, is abandoned. Yeah. He is clearly unsupervised. Uh, just hanging out by himself, singing a weird song... I have seen enough anime to know kind of where that's going, but it is definitely it is definitely out of place. I'm saying is that he shouldn't be there by himself. He's clearly too young. To now be the lyrics around. to this song, I don't know if you caught them, but I just want to I want to highlight them for a second. I don't remember them exactly, but the gist of it was he was saying I love you, I say I love you, but me saying I love you is just there to cover up the emptiness in my heart from being alone. <laughs> Okay, that's messed up. I actually yeah. did not notice that. I don't know if that's a just sort of like a regular old song, or if they just made that up for the episode, but it's, in any case... It's a weird song. It sets a tone. For a kid to be singing. Right. That doesn't make sense. Okay, so we cut away from Yo-Yo Kid, is just what I'm going to call him, and we close in on a guy who is doing a fish delivery is what it looks like. First, it looks as though he is a just a fish delivery guy. We do later find out, moments later, that right. he is the... Uh, he, he is the sort of go-to gopher kid for this restaurant. Yeah, that's a good way like. to say it. That he is the gopher kid for this restaurant. He walks in. He's got the fish. He's wearing... I don't know if it's like a... Yeah, I think those are probably just like Japanese chef whites. But they okay. do look like, like a karate gi. It definitely basically. looks like... Yeah, it definitely looks like a karate gi of some sort. And so he walks in and his boss says, Take out the garbage! And he's really upset 
by that the kid is. Yeah. He's like, I took out the garbage yesterday. Okay, so here's the great thing about that, is that he works in a restaurant, right? They're cooking. It's a busy restaurant. The kitchen is hopping. Yeah. And so to say that I took out the trash yesterday seems to imply that that restaurant only has one load of trash per day. It's like, I took out the trash yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You probably took it out eight times. Yeah. We, we are a restaurant. And also, it's like he's really whiny about doing what is his job. Yeah, like that is very clearly his job. Yeah. Okay, so he he comes out, he, he goes to take he the He takes out the job. trash. One bag. One bag of trash. And there is a kid there that he seems to know. And that kid is attacked mm-hmm. by a giant golden tentacle. Right. So, it comes just sort of like out of the woods, there's an eye on the end, an eye that is also a mouth. Yeah. So, Japan coming out of the gate strong on tentacles is what I'm saying. Yep. I think they could have. I mean, I just feel like that's low hanging fruit if you're Japanese, but whatever. Uh, So, they could have gone a different way, but why mess with success? Right. Right. You know, you're Japanese, you know what your audience likes. So, (laughs) the kid gets attacked. Whose name is Yumi. Yumi-chan, I think, is yeah. what he calls her. He calls her Yumi-chan, and she is attacked by the golden tentacle monster. And it grabs her and pulls her away. He is chasing her. He is clearly a pretty, like, sprightly dude. Yeah. He obviously knows some sort of thing. Like, he's not just a garbage boy, is what I'm saying. He right. has some... we, we know that at this point he's at least capable of running around and jumping over fences. Right. Which is more than... You know, maybe I could say. I'm not much one for running and jumping. So she gets dragged down into this hole, and then it spits back her backpack and her shoes. It's like a Sarlacc pit burping sort of moment. Right. Right. But there's everything else she keeps. Yeah. Just shoes and backpacks. I have no idea where that's happening. Maybe that's like a Japanese thing. There's something (laughs) significant about that. There's a thing about shoes, right? I don't know. Uh, By the way, we do see her later on in the episode. Oh, yeah. Totally. And she is absolutely wearing shoes. Yeah. They cheated that one a little bit, I think. (laughs) So then, act, act one, scene three, I would say. Sure. He is attacked by the same golden tentacle monster. Right. It's got her... And, and, he's, and it's chasing him. him all over town. Now, when I say all over town... That is not an exaggeration. It chases him from outside of the restaurant... Right. ...to an abandoned like, industrial parkway. Right. Not the same one we saw earlier. But he doesn't seem to go far, which leads into my theory that everything... In, like, the Super Sentai version of Japan, you are never further than about two blocks from an abandoned industrial parkway (laughs) full of cars that are completely unattended. Right. (laughs) You don't know why those cars are there. Clearly, there's no people around. Right. I don't know who, like, parked their cars next to that crane and then just left for the day. (laughs) They're just... Just they're, gone. They're not working the crane, I'll tell you that much. Right, because that crane's not doing anything either. No. Everything is complete. That, I think, is the weird part. Everything seems to be completely abandoned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyways, he is attacked by this monster, and he really, he does. He seems to cover a lot of distance yeah. in a very short period of time. Running down alleys, jumping over fences. And you do not get the impression, at least, that this is a uh, time lapse. That he's, like, running and running and running. It just seems as though it's all happening in real time, and he is just covering huge amounts sure. of distance. Well, although, he really only has to get the three blocks from where he is to his lo- closest local abandoned industrial parkway. Right? Okay. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So, he is eventually, he is caught. The golden string, mm-hmm. the golden tentacle monster right. string thing does. Wraps him up. Get throws him. him around. Throws him around. And he is rescued. He is rescued by a dragon. <laughs> A giant robot dragon. A giant robot dragon. From the sky somewhere. Yeah. It just, out of nowhere, giant dragon robot shows up, breathes fire on the tentacle. He seems fine. He was very close to that fire. Really close. And there was a lot of it. So he manages to, he's fine. And then you see a guy... Mm-hmm. A mysterious guy who has, like, sunglasses and... And a goatee. Like a, yeah, a little goatee thing, and then he passes out. Because nothing says mysterious like sunglasses and a goatee. Right. No, I'm sorry, not the mysterious guy doesn't pass out. Our hero Our passes hero. out. Right. Oh, so, by the way, his name is Ryu. Oh yeah, sorry, his name is Ryu. So, we go forward into the next scene, and Ryu wakes up in a room. <laughs> this, is a, this is amazing. Let me describe this room for you, because we're going to see it a lot. This is their headquarters. But it does not look like a headquarters. It looks like a 
an abandoned boiler room. I was going to ask you a question. I realized I sort of don't want to know the answer. I was about to ask you if they ever upgrade, and I don't want to know the answer to that. I realize. Okay, well, we we will see more of this room as time progresses. So Part of me hopes they do. You'll get to explore all the various nooks and crannies okay. of their abandoned boiler room. <laughs> Part of me hopes they do upgrade. Part of me hopes they doesn't. So he shows up. There's like a there's a pedestal. There's a slowly growing pile of sand. The <laughs> sand is just up. falling from the ceiling. From yeah, from nowhere. And a bunch of uh, what seemed to be cardboard boxes, as though someone was just moving in. And then, and then like, unpacked the podium, unpacked the hole in the ceiling where the sand comes in, and then said, we're fine. <laughs> they just got bored. It's just done. Uh, that, that is my new theory, so why there are no decorations, is that they're all in those closed boxes that no one ever addresses. Okay. Okay, all right. So he shows up, he's alone, he runs away, runs upstairs, through, like, a tunnel... There are some... Uh, oh, he gets out. That's right. He gets, he gets out, out of the basement. There are some semi-sentient motorcycles that he runs past. Yeah, they light up and they look at him, uh, and then that's it. I think one. Of, I think the red one chases him. Does it? I believe so. I may have missed that part. But he gets away is the point. He gets away. He gets up into the street, runs into the street, and is immediately hit by a car. <laughs> hey, right. Just like but a he's fine. away from it. Ah, he's fine. Right. He's totally okay. I mean, he's like, he looks a little dinged up, but... Clearly does not look like he just got hit by a car. Sure, well, you know, he's okay at jumping away from car accidents in the same way that he's okay at jumping over fences. So he gets hit by a car, and then three complete strangers show up and just circle around him. Yeah, and just kidnap him. Like, straight up, you see them walking away, and one of them actually has his hand on the back of Ryu's neck. Right. Like, giving him the straight goon hand. Just, like, <laughs> muscling him. And this is fantastic. They're just muscling him through this subway station, and nobody cares. No, no one at all. Nobody notices. They're just clearly coercing this guy to go himself. He's actually fighting back a little bit. Yeah. Clearly coercing this dude into somewhere he does not want to go. Nobody cares. So they, they finally, just let him go. So they finally get him back to the headquarters. And then throw him, like shove him down on the ground. Yeah, and this then is sort of not... circle around and find their various purchases and purchases in the room. This is not a friendly group. Right. They have they had never introduced themselves. No, they don't even talk to him. Right. They're not even like an oh hey, you need to come with us. Right. Just Straight kidnapped. And so they're back in the room, those three are there, and the... Ryu has got to be terrified at this point. Oh yeah, he is having a horrible day. Right, He's been attacked by a golden tentacle monster. And then kidnapped. And then there was the giant dragon. Well, he wakes up in a basement, manages to escape the basement. Think how terrifying this is. (laughs) Wakes up, abandoned, in a basement. Just think about that. Just think if you were attacked by something, then you passed out. And where you woke up was not where you had passed out. And it was not only, not only was it not where you had passed out, it was like a janky basement. <laughs> where like there was you, just a machete sticking out of a wooden crate. Right! There's a machete, I forgot, <laughs> there was a machete there. Like, if I passed out someplace, I had been attacked by someone, and I passed out, and then I woke up, and I was in a hospital bed, for example. Right. That would be fine. Right. I would like, be oh, concerned, clear. obviously. But right. But clearly, some concerned citizen has seen my distress <laughs> and, you know, helped me. Right, like, for all that Ryu knows, right now, he is not in the first episode of Die Ranger. He is in the first Saw movie. Like, Yeah, this is a murder basement. <laughs> Let's be real. He is about to get macheted. So he comes these back. Three dudes. There's the three dudes, and then there's our mysterious stranger who introduces himself as Kaku. Right. Ryu understandably, asks what's going on. (laughs) Right. It is actually, I'm actually pretty amazed by how calm he is remaining. I would be completely losing it. But he manages to maintain, even though he's clearly freaked out, he manages to maintain an impressive level of calm. So, this, (laughs) so Kaku just starts, like, going off. He is full, (laughs) he is in full-on exposition mode. He's talking about the monsters, which are called Guma which have been asleep for 6,000 years. He's talking about Die Rangers, which Ryu has no idea what's going on. And Kaku is just laying all this out as though he's explaining it to an old friend. Right. He never, like, 
It's like, there's oh. never any there's never any allowance on Kaku's part. Ryu has no idea what's going on. <laughs> he is just like he's just going into it. I mean, maybe Kaku's a busy guy. The sure. group are attacking. He doesn't have time to waste. He's like Ryu. You need to get with the program kind of immediately. Uh, but Ryu is completely confused. <laughs> then machetes. So we mentioned the machete earlier. Now this is like Chekhov's machete. Like if you show the machete in the first act, yeah. in the second act, you, you have, have to use the machete. Right? right, exactly. That was a wow, that was a really good pull. Well done. Yeah, thank you. And so he's explaining that Ryu and all of the other Dire Rangers right. have this uh, chi power, and that all the Goma have like a demon chi power. Okay. And so they have to fight each other using their various chi powers. Yes, naturally. Ryu, clearly... <laughs> Doesn't think that he has a chi power. Has no the, again, no idea what's going on. Because at this point, Ryu's maybe nineteen, right? And if you live nineteen years and never noticed that you had an incredible chi power, <laughs> if someone drags you down into a basement and waves a machete in your face, <laughs> that's not the best way to inspire confidence. Right? You might be understandably confused about this. And so, to demonstrate the chi power. Kaku, first of all, does like a force push, throws him across the room. Yeah, like he gives him like the Buddhist palm. And then says, hey, so what you really need to do is believe. And if you can, you can do this. Picks up the machete and by way of explanation, points it at him, concentrates for a moment. And the machete flies across the room and Ryu barely manages to avoid it going straight through his face. <laughs> right. Like, that is his... Like, oh yeah, cheap powers. Let me launch a machete at your face. Here's the fantastic part. So he dodges... He dodges the machete that right. has been launched at his face by his supposed mentor. And the other guy, one of the other rangers, whose name I can't remember uh, right it's now... It's Shoji. Okay, He's thank the you. Blue Ranger. Okay, so Shoji, the Blue Ranger. He's not wearing blue, though. Uh, he's got some blue piping on his hoodie, I think. Mm, I feel like that is not fair. I the, feel as the though you should need... Uh, weirdly, the clothing like color matchup in this series is a little... They're off. not real strong on it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's They're cheating is what I'm saying. Yeah. I should be able to identify. But anyways. So Shoji walks over. <laughs> he's like, hey, wow, you did a great job. But the amazing part is that he seems kind of surprised... Right. That Ryu manages to dodge the machete. Which leads me to the question, how many times have they done this? Right. Because he says, great job. He doesn't say like, oh, you've done the baseline thing. Right. He's like, wow, that was really impressive that you managed to barely dodge a machete to the face. So, has like Kaku done this before? He just kidnaps right. random guys. And like somewhere in like an offshoot of the murder basement <laughs> is a pile of potential Red Rangers, which is just like gaping machete face. wounds in their face. <laughs> Alright. So so failed Red Ranger candidates aside. <laughs> so Ryu does manage to dodge the machete. Uh, and everybody's very happy with this. And the other rangers introduce themselves. But again, not in a friendly way. They simply state their names. Yeah. And Shoji, the only thing Shoji says aside from his name, and hey, glad you didn't get macheted, <laughs> is don't get in my way. So clearly, they already know each other, and they do not want Ryu messing up the dynamic. Right, he's the new guy. Which is weird, because he's the Red Ranger, and is very clearly supposed to be in charge. Oh, and as soon as the fighting starts, like, he stands in the middle, he's the one that drops the catchphrase, like, everyone recognizes, like, okay, you're here now, you're the Red Ranger, and the Red Ranger is always in charge. Right! It just, like, why would you have, why, it would make more sense to me if they picked up the Blue Ranger first episode, is what I'm saying. Well, I think they did it this way because since the Red Ranger is always, like, the main dude, uh -huh. they wanted to start the episode sort of following the main dude. Okay. That, they'll do it in other series as well. That makes sense. That's We're good. not going to be watching these series. You know, yet. Yeah. We Who may knows? get to other series after this one. But similar things happen in, like, uh, Magic Ranger. Okay. In Magic Ranger, they're all siblings. Sure. And, like, the Red Ranger is the youngest sibling who sort of gets, like, pulled into it, like, sort of secondarily. And then immediately is in charge, because he's the Red Ranger. Right, okay. Okay, so, end scene. End scene. Cut to a girl in an airport. No, no, no. Cut to one of the Goma. The whip. The woman. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
Women in an airport, and the Goma are in... This is the first time we've seen them. Yes. And these are the three... Well, we're, in, we're now meeting the three Goma commanders. They are like the Rita Repulsa of yeah. the show. It's a sort of like triumvirate. One's mostly in charge, but they're like a... Yeah, Lady Commander Gara, I think is her name. Yeah, it's Gara, and then there's uh, Shadam and Zydos are the three. <laughs> I did not catch that. Okay. I got, I got as far as Lady right. Gara. I felt pretty good about that. So You'll hear these in... names a lot. Okay. <laughs> You'll get it by the end. So they are in straight bondage gear. Black leather with buckles and yeah, like, like leather hoods with eye holes cut out. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty apparent is what I'm saying. That like, like when this... they're not trying to conquer Earth, there are other things happening with right. these three. Like the Die Ranger show spent all of its budget on like the giant robot dragon and the explosions. <laughs> Which is cool. And then when they ran out of costuming budget and just sent Steve out <laughs> to go buy the last few costumes... <laughs> and apparently Steve has some... Steve's into some stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to judge Steve. You know, whatever Steve does with other consigning adults is Steve's business. Sure. <laughs> um, but the result is we've got a lot of leather hoods. Right. Um, then we see just this girl at the airport. Right. We have zero explanation as to who she is. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah, no idea. She's not wearing pink, which I think would have been a convenient tell, but she's yeah. not. Thanks, guys. So she's not wearing pink, and she is... I think she got off the plane, because you see a plane flying away, and then you just see her on the ground. Yeah. So we would assume that she was on that she plane. She was on that plane, she is I guess. Not. And she is attacked by a biker gang? Now, when you say biker gang, I want to be very clear about something. Oh, yeah. This is not a motorcycle gang. No. This is about 20 dudes on BMX bikes. This is, yeah, this is a straight... I mean, the show aired in 93, so this yeah. is actually very... This makes a lot of sense. This, I think, 1993 was a time when, in maybe American movies, you would have seen a lot of, like, menacing teenagers on BMX bikes. Sure. I think that was in, like, The Lost Boys. The fact that they are not BMX. also on, like, skateboards is amazing. Yeah, I, actually, props. I, you know, I give them a lot of credit <laughs> for not going full on. One of the guys does have a panda hat. I yes. would point out, there's a pandemic going on. They're not wearing, like, a uniform. No, nor are they wearing helmets, which, considering what's about to happen, I think is a mistake. Yeah, what's that is about definitely to happen a mistake on their part. Is that they all start chasing the girl that we've just been introduced to. She's the Pink Ranger. She will be the Pink Ranger. Her name, her name is Rin. <laughs> Spoiler um, alert. She's the Pink Ranger. And so they start chasing her. She's running away. She's running up and down stairs. They're riding bikes up and down stairs. It's actually a pretty well choreographed, like, stunty scene. Yeah, they do a good job of it. It's a really fun BMX fight. (laughs) So they're they're chasing her. Eventually, she can't get away. She is cornered. And then she busts out chi powers. Like, she does, like, a big, windy force push thing Mm -hmm. and knocks them all over. And I don't... Why wouldn't she lead with that? Like, if I were being attacked by BMX thugs, and I had chi powers, I think my go-to would be chi powers. Makes like sense I to would, you. I would, I would open with that, is Makes what I'm saying. Makes sense to me. Yeah. But you know, maybe it's, uh... I don't know. It's, it's, I don't it's, know. Kind of, it's sort of dumb. <laughs> it's sort of, maybe it's, like, very difficult, and so she could have gotten away without doing it. Maybe she, she has, like, a preferred. certain, like, a, a cap on, like, her magic points for the day. Right, and she would have preferred to not use that. But anyways, but she does finally, she, chi powers them. I don't, I don't Also, know, I mean, I don't in a more practical any... sense, if she had opened with chi powers, we wouldn't have gotten to see the bicycle chase. Okay, that's a very good point. That's a good Which point. Which I think is ultimately the reason. <laughs> so. The director would have been very upset. So, they got... You say the director would have been upset as though the, the actress herself has chi powers and like had the option and had she used the first time out the director would have been like dang it I told you to run away first you just opened with your real chi powers I hired these bike guys for the whole day right as though I rented out this subway station we're gonna ride bikes through it's done um, so she but they do get back up the bike guys get back up enter the remaining four rangers. Yes. Ryu has acquired a red jacket. Yep. He's the, actually, he's the only one who's conveniently color-coded. Everybody else is sort of, like, he's clearly identifiable. Yeah. Red he, jacket, red ranger. At some point, maybe it was already there, maybe, like, they pulled it off of one of the potential <laughs> one dead, of the dead rangers. Guys. 
No, you must be a Red Ranger. You've got a red jacket. <laughs> nope. Just like machete no. in the face. But they got a nice jacket out of it. <laughs> the jacket to outfit the successful guy. So Ryu shows up wearing a dead man's jacket. <laughs> dead man's jacket. Dead man's red jacket. They jump a couple of the Goma, deal their bikes, Chase reconvenes. Right. But I will say that the Rangers are really clearly prepared for this. This is not their first time BMX fighting. They've got, like, coordinated... Not only are they good individually, they have, like, coordinated moves. Yeah. There was one spot where two of the guys, Shoji and one of the other guys... Uh, uh, Daigo. Okay, sure. That Shoji and Daigo, they stop. They, like, twist their bikes to form a sort of makeshift barrier. And then the bad guys, the putties... Yeah. They're not actually called putties. No, they're called, and these might honestly be nonsense syllables, but they're called kotopoteros. Okay, so the putties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just run into this barrier and get launched. Yeah, so this is okay. clearly, they know what they're doing. Now, at this point, and they, this may have actually already happened, they transform from their human forms into their monster forms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the... all the Goma have an ability to transform from a human form to a monster form. Okay. And these ones, like, their monster forms are all the same. And I think this is the only time, the only episode where we see them outside of their monster form. The Kotopotoro. Yeah. The putties. The monsters, by the way, uh, the, the putties. Let's just call them putties. I'm not going to go through all the bother of saying Kotopotoros for 50 episodes. Yeah, that sounds... So the putties, their look is... <laughs> I, I think the best way to describe it is cartoon evil monster that is also a waiter at a fancy restaurant. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to say it. Like, it looks sort of like a tuxedo. A little bit. They've got a helmet, and the helmet has lipstick on it. Yeah. Not like someone with lipstick kissed the helmet. Like, the helmet has lips, and those lips have lipstick. Yes. Is is what I'm saying. Anyway, they're weird looking. Look them up. We'll (laughs) we'll try to post a picture of it in the uh, show notes. But they are... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm laughing at at the potential person in my head who has found this because... They are, like, a super huge Rangers fan, Mm -hmm. and I'm delighted that they're listening, but I am also imagining them being super angry that we just refuse to say Kota Potoro at a shortened... I just... (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing. I guess I shouldn't be, but in my head, it's really funny, because I know I do the same thing. Like, I'm watching a movie, and someone says something wrong about Spider-Man, and I'm like, no! That's not how Spider-Man is! Like, the person who's doing it, it's just like, chill out. So, guy who, potentially, the hypothetical person right. who is angry about that. Um, uh, I hope you've been enjoying the episode so far. I hope you stick around. I hope you stick around. Well, we are going to call them putties. I think we're just going to stick with the putties. Kotopotoro. We know it's, it's actually, wrong. We don't want any emails. You know, I don't know. Kotopotoro, I think if you say it quickly, is fine. So, well, they're interchangeable. I feel like we're getting my, off track here. Anyways, we're totally getting off track. So, they are fighting the Kotopotoro. Right. They're fighting the Kotopotoro. And uh, they're doing okay. They're not actually doing a, a bad job. Uh, Ryu is way more intense, I think, than we were initially led to believe. Like, he is really... He is on it. Yeah, he has jumped straight from jumping past a car that is hitting him to full-on kung fu mode. Yeah. <laughs> so he is fighting. But they are... Yo-Yo Kid shows up. Then Yo-Yo Kid shows up again. Yes. And Yo-Yo Kid show, He's there... And he kind of shifts back and forth really quickly, and then he becomes the monster. And the monster's is, name is Baron String. Baron String. And Baron String is like a uh, gold lame jumpsuit mm-hmm. with the string thing on top of his head. Right. So and the we, whole head is string. The whole head is a giant piece of string. Yeah. So what we had been previously calling a tentacle, his whole body is like this giant piece of string. Right. So it turns out it's not a tentacle. It's just... Baron String. Right. And so, they're fighting. There's something I want to point out about Baron String, okay, by the way. It. So, if you look at, if you look at Baron String, uh, he has uh, Arabic numerals. He has just the letters. The, the, yeah, the, letter, think, the numbers, right? Yeah, he's like made to look like a, like, a, like a tape measure or something. Yeah, I think so. He's supposed to have this sort of tape measure look to him, but he very definitely has Arabic numerals written on his string. But he's, six, he's upwards of 6,000 years old. Because he's been asleep for 6,000 years. Arabic 
they aren't that old. Like, they're not 6,000 years old. No, that's true. What's also true is that 6,000 years ago, they probably did not have the technology to create giant flying robot dragons. You know, well, no, I can get that far, because maybe it was meant to be an ancient, you know, an, that's a standard thing, that, oh, long ago, they had super technology that we have since forgotten, and we don't know about it anymore, so giant robot dragons. But Arabic numerals look a really specific thing. <laughs> And yes, everybody uses them now. That was not the case 6,000 years ago. Regardless. Okay, here's, here's, here's the thing you've got to remember about these monsters, Dave. Is that this show has, at this point, this is the 17th year. Right. Each year, they do about 50 episodes. Okay? And so, after the first couple of years, you run out of the easy stuff. And, like, if you need to make a new giant, like, monster suit every week, eventually it's going to be a 6,000-year-old tape measure. It's a good point. <laughs> because you've run out of fire-breathing that's eight, dragons. That's 850 monsters. And that's just up through this Right. Year. That's just... That's a really... That's actually really impressive. Yeah, it's insane. It's pretty cool. Which is why, eventually, you get into, like, oh, this thing's, like, half lion, half octopus, and gets its power from lying to children. Because they've already done literally everything else. Wait, so you, that is a real... Is that a real monster? Do we see that eventually? Um, I if don't... If we don't, I'm going to be really disappointed. I think it might actually be half tiger, but yeah. Okay, that's... That's fantastic. <laughs> it's uh-huh. not in this show, though. It's in, uh... That's from Machine Kaiser. Ah, you're killing me. So... So Baron String, he attacks them, and Baron String is really handy to them. I mean, he is... Oh, sure. He's handily... A, he's a 6,000-year-old super monster, and they right. are teenagers. He is handily beating them, and so he manages, he kind of throws them around using his string, and then picks them all up, and he, his other arm is like a needle, I guess? Maybe it's like a needle string... Yeah. But it's pointy. It's, it's steady, is sure. what it is. It's ultimately steady. It's bad news in any case. It's bad news. And so he has them, and he's gonna he's launches it at Ryu. And Ryu has a flashback moment where he remembers the machete. I think this is actually a symptom of PTSD. I think he's reliving his moment <laughs> of trauma. But he sees the machete launching at his face... And he sees the spiky needle thing launching in his face. And he manages to sort of, like, dodge it. Or sort of kind of knock it out of the way. Yeah. Even though he's sort of immobilized. But Baron String is, of course, kind of blown away by this. And then... And then and only then... Do they do the transforming thing? Do they use their morphers? Uh, aura changers. They're called in this show. Okay. <laughs> they, here's the deal. They're going to say the words aura changer at least once. Probably twice an episode. You're just going to need to get to... You just need to learn to love it. Okay. So they activate the aura dangers, which, by the way, Ryu totally knows how to do. He, there's, like, there's like a phrase. It's got like an activation code that he oh, does. Sure. And he has to like pull a thing and then push the thing into another thing. Because there's two... They're like watches. He's got like two yeah, watches. Yeah, he's got two watches them. and they sort of lock together. And... Right. But this is not... It's not intuitive is what I'm saying. This is not something that you would just pick up and say, Oh, clearly yeah. that's how I... Turn into a superhero. And if you ever expect them to explain how any of these people learned to be Die Rangers, we'll be very disappointed. Well, I would expect everybody else already knows, because they clearly have been kind of hanging out for a while. Ryu, zero instruction, automatically knows how to do it, which I yeah. find um, incongruous. Knows Kung Fu, knows how to change... Knows how to channel his chi into fireballs, which is what he does next. Yeah, he totally does. He does. He launches a fireball at Baron String. Yeah. And so, so, but he does the fireball, and then Baron String drops them all. And then they do a pose. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, they go through the whole thing. They sort of announce themselves. Sure, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Oh yeah, they're all, they're all, they're, they're each a star. They're like a particular star of heaven. So one is like the time star of heaven, or the gravity star of heaven. Right. Or, um, that's as far as I remember. I don't actually remember any of the other ones. It's immaterial at the moment. Okay. And then they pose, and Red Ranger's in the middle, and <laughs> they fight! They fight some more. Lo and behold, they fight the Kotopotoro again. So they're fighting the Kotopotoro, they are fighting Baron String, they all are teleporting all over the place. Like, they're in a field, and then they're getting knocked through boxes... 
They, um, no matter where you are, there are always boxes. Yeah, I mean, just... There are boxes and industrial parks, and that is Japan. <laughs> it's Japan. I've never been there. I'm going to assume that that's, that's all in Japan. But I that's believe, all that there is. I believe television. Yeah. Well, I think if you can't trust... If you can't just do the sense out and tell you the truth, yeah. ultimately, who can you trust? Listen, they're not allowed to put it on television if it's not true. Yeah. So, so everybody else has disappeared. Like the other rangers don't, they seem to be busy. They're all fighting the buddies. Okay, so it's just Ryu, who is the hmm, ranger. The fire. Okay, so he is the fire ranger. He's fighting Baron String. And he, uh, he had what looked like guns, and he pulled them out, and then they were swords. I'm not really sure how that happened. They're like a superhero multi-tool. But he definitely has two swords. And so he's fighting with two swords. Uh, Baron String is still winning. Uh, and then he does another fire thing, mm-hmm. and he, like, he announces the attack, and it's got, a, you know, it has a name. Oh, there's fire, there's lightning. Right, Japan style, but he, it has a name, and it's like a flamethrower, and he like shoots flame at Baron String. And then the narrator, who we have never heard before, just comes, it just comes in, is like, oh, guys, this is how this works. This is yeah. a very powerful attack. We're in the Red Ranger, shoots fire at this guy. <laughs> Which he says, as Red Ranger is shooting fire at the guy. As though we had somehow missed it. Right. It's like the one... It's the one spot where it requires zero exposition. Like, did you sneeze and accidentally turn away from the TV? Right. But we don't need exposition. He's literally just saying, this is what's happening on screen right at this moment. Is the Red Ranger shooting fire at this guy? Like, I know. I got that far on my own, narrator. Thank you very much. Um... So then it's... Then they fight. There's yeah. more fighting. But eventually they defeat Baron String. Yes. Baron String is defeated. All of the children that he ate in the beginning of the episode are magically expelled from him. Oh yeah, we did not know actually, by the way, that there was more than one child. There's five kids get launched out of Baron String. We didn't know there was more than one. Yeah. Things like... It was way grimmer than we yeah. were initially <laughs> led to believe. And once again, all wearing shoes. All wearing shoes. That's a continuity mistake, my friends. I'm going to send a complaint letter... Back in my time machine. Also translation, because I don't speak Japanese. Right. Straight to Toa. <laughs> so, they, defe- they have almost defeated Baron String, and he pulls out a bomb. And you might think that this bomb is an offensive weapon. It's not. Stands it's not. to reason, but... It's, and it's, it's an enlarging bomb, and he pulls the cap off of it. I was really expecting gas. Mm-hmm. To come out. That would make some sort of sense. But it's not. It just explodes. Just like a regular, like, fiery just explosion. Just a straight-up explosion. At which Baron's, Baron's ring is at the epicenter of that explosion. He is he is caught in the conflagration. Uh, and then he grows. Zero explanation on that one. Dave, it's an enlarging bomb. They explained. Okay, the bomb enlarges him. That's fair. I... This show is not, uh, it's not famed for its subtlety. Okay. So then, Baron String is a giant. And he's kind of stomping all over the place. Scene change. Back to HQ. (laughs) Back to murder basement. Murder headquarters. And we see Kaku. Who, if you don't recall, is their... Mentor. He's Zordon. He's Zordon. You see Kaku, and he is kind of meditating, and he senses somehow that they are in need. (laughs) You see him, he floats. Uh, He definitely floats. He floats off of a box. Yep. And then you see him in some sort of like green, swirly maelstrom, but he is sitting on a box again. And then he and the box separate, and the box explodes. That's the power of chi. I, I, I assumed that what he was summoning was in the box. But what he was doing is he was summoning the same giant robot dragon that we saw. In the that beginning. we already saw. Back to the industrial park. Back to the industrial park. Baron String, giant, rangers, in trouble. Dragon shows up. Doesn't actually attack Baron String. No, no, no. Just kind of flies. Yeah. Menacingly. Menacingly. <laughs> Red Ranger uses his... Sword. He uses his sword gun to turn into a laser grappling hook <laughs> to fire up to the head of the robot flying magical space dragon to pull him up so that he can then lock into the top of its head 
and ride it like a giant magical red dragon fire breathing surfboard. <laughs> Which is that's like five my favorite thing. Yeah, like if right. that dragon was also wearing sunglasses and like did a rad kickflip, it would just be it would the sweetest thing in the thing. world. You know, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they did use this dragon. Oh yeah. Later, right? Yeah, this uh, in the American show is what I'm saying. Yeah, what happened was I remember, and we'll do a brief digression here, but basically a lot of the elements from Die Ranger okay. get brought into the second and third seasons of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay. So like when we will eventually see a White Ranger in this show, that's the uh, White Ranger. I didn't know that there was gonna be a White Ranger. Well it's Dave. There's a White Ranger. There's always a sixth Ranger, in this case it is white. And I it is the it is the costume that Tommy wore as the White Ranger. I'm just saying you could have waited and I could have discovered it. I couldn't that have waited, apparently. I was, I was overcome with the need. <laughs> so yeah, you will see a few things in this show that are uh, familiar to you, but uh, most of it you will not. Really what I remember, I think, is the toy. Oh, the I toy remember was great. the dragon toy, which we didn't have, actually. No. We had, but we did have the other ones. Yes. We had the other toys... They were really cool. Right. They weren't actually really... Okay, I mean, they were cool at the time, oh, obviously. Uh, in retrospect. They were pretty cool. Yeah. They, um, uh, you know, they transformed. They joined together. They, they, did, well, they, did, they didn't transform. They did join together, though. Um, well, I mean, they transformed was... from a Tyrannosaurus Rex into a torso. Uh, no, that was really cool. Do you actually remember getting... I don't think you were really involved... With this process. No, yeah, I remember having the toys, but I don't actually remember getting them. Okay, this is how this is how this worked. You have to understand I don't think you maybe appreciate how difficult these were to come by. Because this was pre-internet. There was no you couldn't just go someplace and just click on the thing. You can't you couldn't do right. that. This was nineteen Ninety-three, ninety-four. Well, it would have been nineteen ninety-four because it came out the year in America the year after it was on in Japan, right? Well, yeah. Okay, so it would have been 1994. So it would have been 12 years old. There's no internet. I can't get on Amazon and just buy it, which is how I get everything in my life now. Right. I actually have, I even have the app. I have the Amazon, I have Amazon Prime and mm -hmm. I have the app. And it's amazing. I don't even have, if I want something, I'm literally no longer than maybe a minute away from having ordered that. Yeah, I do not trust myself to have that app. The same reason I do not have the Domino's Pizza app. Okay, that's... Because if I had that Domino's Pizza app, uh, we would be eating Domino's Pizza right now. Okay, that's, that's a really good point. <laughs> but anyway, but so it's 1994. This doesn't exist. And so I am just, literally every day, I am calling like the five closest toy stores to our house. Just, I, I, I call the front desk do you have these toys? And every day they say And because no. you were 12, you assumed that they got new shipments of toys every single day. Right. I had no idea how it works. You just, this store has toys. So today, call back tomorrow. Maybe they'll have it. So I called, I'm not even kidding you. I think I called those five toy stores every day for a month. I'm Maybe sure they more. loved it. Maybe more. I'm not even kidding. That I, that I called these stores trying to get a hold of these toys. And every day, they just said, no, no, sorry, we don't have it. And so, except one, finally, one glorious day, they said, oh, yeah, I think we might. And I just, I don't remember, but I'm sure I just lost it. And I was just like, Mom, we have to go to the store right now. Right. And Mom, Mom was actually very gracious. She took us to the store, and we went halfsies on yep. it. I, I certainly hope I paid for at least half of it, because I still have it in my closet. Oh, really? Yeah, somewhere. No, it's fantastic. I'm glad that one of us still has it, because I, I knew I didn't. Uh, so, yeah, so we went to Hamsies on it, and then we brought it home and never put the stickers on it. I don't, honestly, I don't actually even remember playing with it. Oh, I played with it. Did you? Oh, I played with it. Because we also I... later got the Dragon Zord, and I would, like, put them all together, because there were, like, four or five different configurations. No, 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 I did that. I would, like, take them apart... And I would kind of have them. Oh no, I never pretended it was fighting anything. And then I would put them back together. It didn't have any of the monsters. And then I would, right, and then I would just have it. It was like a statue more than a toy. It was a transforming statue. The, the points of articulation a... were horrible. Yeah, it really was. It was like a transforming statue. This was not a toy. Yeah, I mean, if you remember how stiff it was sense. on the, If you remember how stiff, like, the big suit was on the TV show with, like, the cardboard boxes, it was less bendy than that. Yeah. 
So, but anyways, we did eventually get these. Yeah, toys. and they were great. For not actually even for the show, for the other. Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But anyways, to <laughs> to, to our point, uh, Flying Magic Dragon Surfboard. Yes. So he gets up <laughs> on Ryu, the Red Ranger, lassoes his way up, and there's actually. The thing that I think I really appreciate about the dragon is not just that it's a magic flying dragon surfboard or that he uses it that way, is that when he gets up on top of it, if you watched the show, you saw that there were little foot clamps that he stood on the head, and then these things kind of clamped around his feet. And so I think the best part is not just that he wrote it that way, but that it was intended to right, be written. It was purpose-built. It was, it, right. Someone looked at that giant robot dragon and said, you know what we should probably include? Foot clamps for when someone wants to ride on its head. Which I think was really clever of them, because obviously, obviously you're going to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you've got the thing, you're you going to ride would, it. That's the only way I would ride it. I would just ride around on its head. It would be amazing. Just going down to the grocery store. Right. Giant robot dragon flying magic surfboard. So... <laughs> And then that's it. That's the end that's, of the episode. That's the cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Uh, Baron String is giant. Dragon Surfboard is awesome. Yep. And that's pretty much where we end up. And yeah, that's where we end up. <laughs> so, so that's... Man. So, uh, so uh, what are your sort of final... Do you have any sort of like high points, low points, final thoughts? Man, I gotta be honest. I really feel... I feel like it was one giant high point. Uh, I mean, it started, like, it started fairly crazy, and it just... There's not a lot of downtime. Yeah, it just did not let up. It was relentless in its energy and enthusiasm. I think that's what you kind of show up to, to Japanese television for, is this... Yeah. And I remember this, because we watched anime and stuff in college. Yeah. And I, I, this is one thing that I remember that I thought was really fun, and I still think is really fun is that there's not, at least in the anime that we watched, there's not a ton of, like, introspection. That's not fair to say. It's that there's actually a ton of introspection. But in many ways, it's just, it's kind of, like, unabashedly enthusiastic. Right. And it's just going for it. And I really dig that. And so, I, you know, the show is fun. I'm very much looking forward to watching, watching the rest of the show. And I am looking forward to watching it with you. So I guess that's it. That is yeah. it for the first episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Join us next week as we hop into episode two. We will find out the fate of Baron String. I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory as to what happens to Baron String. I think your theory is pretty strong. Okay. You haven't said it yet, but if I'm reading your mind... <laughs> so, uh, uh, it involves... Well, it, it involves involves, the, it involves a giant dragon and a few explosions. <laughs> it sure does. So, thank you for joining us for Live and Let Die Ranger. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week on episode two of the Super Sentai Brothers. Later. <laughs> <laughs>